Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Not only is it National Lutheran Schools Week, but we have lots of commemorations and feasts this week as well. And I'm very excited to have the chance to dig into some history today. The Reverend Dr. Mark uh, Seifried, he's professor of exegetical theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. Joining us today to talk about this particular feast for today, the conversion of Paul. Dr. Seifried, thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour. Glad to be with you. I might mention that you're also taking time away from your sabbatical to spend some time with us this morning doing your work of digging into some some exegetical and history here yes. with St. Paul. But we're going to go back to his, his previous name, which I believe was Saul. Who was Saul? You mean Saul who became Paul or the, or the, yes. names, or the namesake? Or Saul, Saul who became Paul. Um, three things about him. He was the most pious Jew, or at least one of the most pious Jews of his generation, who became an apostle to the pagans. And that meant that he, who was an insider, became an outsider. And actually, he was an outsider not only to Jewish authorities of his time, but in large measure to the Jerusalem apostles and to the church. And of course, that meant that he also was, he was the persecutor of the faith, who became the proclaimer of the faith. As he puts it, that he was the first or greatest of sinners, and he became the least of the saints. He was mm-hmm. born in, in Tarsus, so his family was in the diaspora. He grew up speaking Greek, but he also was raised in Jerusalem. He, as he says, he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. This would be Gamaliel the Elder whom we meet in Acts 5, so one of the leading teachers of his time. Greek-speaking, Jewish, and yet at the same time a Roman citizen. I think you're going to ask me about the name. I'm going to jump ahead and say something about Paulus is a Roman name. It means small. (laughs) I don't know if that had to do with his stature, but it certainly fits his claim to be the least of the saints. And he changed, or it's not exactly clear how it happened, but Luke just shifts over on what we call the first missionary journey of Paul, when the church at Antioch sends out Barnabas and Paul. I'm going to come back to Barnabas in just a moment. And they're on the island of Cyprus, and Paul is preaching to the proconsul, effectively the governor, Roman governor. And right at that point, whose name happens to be Sergius Paulus, so he has the same name. And (laughs) And Paul goes over to the name, or at least Luke goes over to calling Paul Paul at that point, from Saul to Paul. It's not clear. Maybe it could be that this was Paul, Saul's Roman name, that he might have had it from birth. It's not like, it's not like Abraham uh, coming from Abram to Abraham or, or Jesus renaming Simon Peter. This is somehow just a trans, transition midstream. It probably does have to do with the mission to the Gentiles. And it's just at this point on what we call the first missionary journey that Luke effectively notes that Paul goes over to using this name. What was significant about his conversion from Saul to Paul? Well, I guess the first point is one we all know. It was completely unexpected. He's on the way to Damascus in order to arrest believers in Jesus. And and Jesus appears to him, him on the way a little note here, we have very, I looked at, at the pictures of Saul's conversion online this week, 
And <laughs> not all of them, but a good many of them have him knocked off of horse. And there's an especially well-known <laughs> one by Caravaggio from the, the 16th century, but there almost certainly was no horse. <laughs> he, just, he, he just fell to the ground. So he had this remarkable encounter with the risen Lord, a, a different one from all the other apostles. And we can't go into the details here, but in my understanding, it is an anticipation of the appearance of Jesus at the end of the age. That's how he saw him. Not that the other disciples saw the risen Lord, but not in, not in the glory that, that Paul saw him. And that, of course, changed the course of, of Saul, Paul's life. Going back to Barnabas, and this is a segue into something I want to say. On that first missionary journey, you'll, you'll note if you read the book of Acts, Barnabas' name appears first, and Paul is sort of the junior partner. I mean, Paul was the unknown. He, he, he was the lesser of the two. His call to be apostle to the Gentiles, and this word that comes to Ananias, who goes to speak to Paul after his encounter with Jesus, this word to Ananias is that he is Jesus' chosen vessel to bring his name to the Gentiles. That's there, and, and Paul is aware of this call to proclaim Jesus Christ to all the nations, but that didn't mean that everybody recognized it. And in a sense, that was a battle for the rest of his life. But so Barnabas appears first, he was the junior partner. And I, I want to introduce that because we, we should be clear, the Lord started the work among the Gentiles before Saul, Paul was there. He started it with these, well, although in an indirect way, Saul had a lot to do with it because the believers in Jesus, Jewish believers in Jesus who had been scattered from Jerusalem because of Saul's persecution of the church, some of them ended up in Antioch, in Pisidia, and in Luke reports that they began speaking to people like us, Gentiles, pagans, and that was already in motion. And it was Barnabas who brought, came and got Saul and got him involved in that. And it was the church from in Antioch that sent them out. So what's significant about Paul's conversion is that through the Lord's work, he's swept up into the greatest period of mission and the greatest transition that has taken place in the life of the church in all of history. Because you, it went from being a small, very small group of Jewish believers in Jesus to being this basically Gentile church, a, a church that's filled, or churches, plural, filled with converted pagans. And, and that shaped, you know, that's the essence of Paul's ministry. It shaped his, his message. His message of justification, we have to remind ourselves, is about God's purpose in bringing in people like us. That is, people who are not Jews, who were different. He is, Paul is the, is the apostle of the gospel for the others. And the gospel of, of God's justifying work is that we're, we're accepted just as we are by God and Jesus Christ. That that's, was Paul's mission. I should add that even though he is the apostle for the outsiders, so to speak, one of the main elements of his mission was his concern for the unity of the church, both Jews and Gentiles. He wanted, he regarded the one church of Jews and Gentiles, people who were very, very different from one another 
in language, in culture, in thinking, that they should be one in Jesus Christ alone. Then all their other differences could be set aside. So the collection that we hear about in the Corinthian correspondence actually appears really early, appears in Acts, and then Paul has some comments on it in the letter to the Galatians. It, 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 he was interested in, in a contribution from the Gentiles for the suffering church in Jerusalem from the very beginning. And for him, this was the expression of the unity of the church in Jesus Christ. On the one side, the Gentiles, the ones who had the money, were giving. And Jerusalem, who was suspicious of these Gentile believers, he wanted to be ready to accept this gift that would bind them together in Jesus Christ. And, and there's more to say, but that's, I'll, I'll pause and let you ask the rest of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could go on for hours about this. There's, there's so much surrounding uh, all of this church history and, and where Paul fits into it. I am curious, we, we mentioned that he's a Roman citizen and we talk about that, but is there a significance to his being a Roman citizen in um, his pre-conversion, what he was doing, and then his conversion and, and how that plays out afterwards? Well, as we know, especially in Philippi, he makes use of it. And again, when he's arrested in Jerusalem, it, 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 it saved his skin for a while. In Philippi, you know, the, the officials were quite concerned after they had had he, he, him and uh, Saul, excuse me, Paul and Silas beaten without asking whether they were Roman citizens or not. Not everyone was a Roman citizen and they were under special protection. So, in a sense, the Lord used that to preserve Paul. Probably more significant was his, although there was plenty of Greek speaking in, in Palestine, that he was thoroughly familiar with the Greek speaking world and was then, in God's providence, a wonderful vehicle for the, for the gospel because he could speak the language of those to whom he was sent. And I should add another word here. The, when Paul speaks the gospel, and I'm thinking now of his letters, which reflects something of his oral preaching. It's always a word on target. We Lutherans tend to read Paul almost entirely out of Galatians and Romans. It's good in a way, but it has some deficits. The theology of justification runs through all his letters, but it doesn't come to expression the way it does in Galatians and Romans and any other of his letters. Philippians, Philippians somewhat. And, and it, it, that doesn't mean it's, it's not guiding his thought, but he's able to speak the word, to speak the gospel to his audience, to those to whom the Lord has sent him to proclaim the gospel on their terms. He always has, as one of my teachers reminded me, he, Paul's word is always a word on target. It's always a word on target. And that is a wonderful thing. And it's a, it's a pattern that we need to think about and adopt ourselves in speaking about Christ to our neighbors. I have about 15 more questions <laughs> and we're all out of time. I know. Uh, our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Mark Seifert, professor of exegetical theology, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Can't wait till you're back in St. Louis with us, Dr. Seifert. I have a bunch more questions, so hopefully we can talk more again in the future. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Glad to be with you. I'd be glad to talk again sometime. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.